1: The Bruce Hooley Show podcast is brought to you by HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Creating jobs and restoring dignity one cup at a time. Good coffee doing good. Learn more at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. We have a new contender. Well, maybe more accurately, candidate in the race to succeed Rob Portman as the Republican senator from Ohio. Uh, Pfizer is coming for your kids, ages uh, 5 through 11, with a COVID shot. And Mike DeWine and other governors are not happy about the uh, massing of Haitian immigrants at the border. We will cover it all today and hopefully have a nice conversation with you on a Monday edition of the Bruce Woolley Show. Start of a new week. Glad to have you along And look forward to our conversation. Take us with you wherever you go, iHeartTuneInRadio.com app. Download our app, the 989FM, the answer app, in the iTunes and Google Play store. And we will talk with our friend Josh Pick on Money Matters at 1230 today. Uh, Pfizer says its vaccine is safe for kids ages 5 through 11 at one-third the dose used in others and that it expects to get approval as soon as possible. This despite the fact that kids statistically are much less likely to become severely ill from COVID-19 than their parents. Uh, But, uh, of course, this is aimed at keeping kids from getting COVID to the extent that they can pass it along to others. The number of cases in kids is cited as being astronomical. 200-plus percent since the middle of the summer. Uh, The FDA is committed to going through the verification process as quickly as possible, the FDA's Dr. Peter Marks told USA Today. Uh, It is still emergency use only for kids 12 to 15 years old. That has not stopped a lot of people from getting the vaccine. Uh, We will see if uh, those same parents will be inclined to have their kids Five and up get it? I would think so. I did have a chance to talk on Sunday with someone who got the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, the old technology vaccine, the uh, non-MRNA, the one that people sometimes worry about reprogramming your DNA or whatever. Uh, the side effects of the j and J, I I was told by this person, and It's the second person who's told me this, were very unpleasant for a day. Very unpleasant. Cold, shivering, miserable. And then twenty-four hours later they were closer to normal. One of my friends said, back to normal, the one that I spoke with yesterday said, now still still feeling off, but presumably now bulletproofed against COVID. So I don't imagine that anybody's opinion on this is going to change because the messaging has been thoroughly botched when they took the J&J vaccine off the market for a while they can label it a pause what people heard was hmm there's something wrong with that now maybe if they had changed it or tweaked it in some way when it came back onto the market people would have been like okay they fixed it that didn't happen and similarly once you botch something and create a narrative that is antithetical to the narrative you want to create, it's much harder to engender people's trust. So that is where we are with all manner of vaccines as the Biden administration continues to push for uh, mandates, soft mandates, whatever you want to call it. They are definitely, definitely all in on vaccines. Speaking of all in, the Ohio Senate race, which will be featured... At the American Leadership Forum, brought to you by Center for Christian Virtue and 9890answer.com on Sunday, October the 24th. I presume now will include one more spot on the dais. Not just J.D. Vance, Bernie Moreno, Mike Gibbons, Jane Timken, Josh Mandel, but also, presumably again, I don't have confirmation, but I would assume so, State Senator Matt Dolan. Matt Dolan this morning has entered the race. He's been talking about it, he's been thinking about it. He says he's been canvassing the state of Ohio, holding up to 100, he says they're listening events, listening events. So he's been going out, talking to people, and listening to whether they want him to get into the race. He's from Chagrin Falls, which is a very uh, upscale suburb on the east side of Cleveland, beautiful area, Chagrin Falls. And Matt Dolan thinks, not shockingly, that he is the man to succeed Rob Portman. He says, I'm the only one with experience. I'm the only one that has taken smart conservative principles and produced results for the state of Ohio. Uh, I'm sure Josh Mandel would have an issue with that since he formerly served in uh, the state government. Uh, So he's uh, Dolan using his uh, position currently, having had a hand in formulating the state's budget, which a lot of people believe is one of the most conservative budgets ever. Who is Matt Dolan? She say, Dolan, Dolan, Dolan. Haven't I heard that name? Yes. Yes, you have. The Dolans own the Cleveland Indians. And Matt Dolan is one of their sons. Now, I think the more Matt Dolan talks, he is, I will not dispute, going to have his own lane in this primary. His very own lane. His will be the lane that Rob Portman would occupy if Rob Portman were running for re-election. All the other candidates, most notably Mandel and Jane Timpkin, are openly... (laughs) What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Begging? Would begging be the wrong word? Would that be too strong? I don't think so. Begging for the endorsement of Donald Trump. Josh Mandel and Jane Timpkin are, if ever allowed to be in the same room, likely to get into a snit over which one of them is more Trumpian than the other. They both want you to believe that they are more Trump than the other. Bernie Moreno, of course, would not decline a Donald Trump endorsement, nor would J.D. Vance. But I don't think those two are as determined to get it. Now, as Hugh Hewitt, who's going to moderate the American Leadership Forum on October the 24th at Genoa in Westerville, told us when he visited with us Friday, he doesn't think Trump's going to endorse anybody in the race. Because, and I think Hugh's analysis on this is very, very smart. Hugh said, Trump really doesn't endorse people just to endorse them? he endorses when the opponent of the person he endorses is someone he really wants to get rid of. Anthony Gonzalez, case in point, the former Buckeye, two-term congressman from the state of Ohio. Donald Trump really wanted to get rid of Gonzo because Gonzo voted for Trump's impeachment the second time. Not a smart political move by Anthony Gonzalez, who I would think, Having played for Jim Tressel, would certainly know all about how to play the politics. I'm kind of torn on Gonzo voting to impeach Trump. I admire the courage of the convictions. I just don't understand committing political suicide. And in this election cycle, he committed political suicide. He handed the Republican primary in his district to Max Miller. He just handed it to him. Uh, I don't think Gonzo... It's hard for me to believe knowing him the little bit that I do and knowing the people around him as I do, that he didn't factor all that in. Like, this this could be the end of me. It's really important to me. I got to take a stand. I get it. But Trump endorses when he can get rid of someone, not when he's really... I don't think he's really that invested in who wins this Senate seat, but I don't think Matt Dolan would even stand a remote chance of getting Donald Trump's endorsement. Because let me read you this paragraph in the Haley B. Miller story in the Columbus Dispatch about Matt Dolan. And tell me, well, this sounds like a pretty friendly paragraph toward a Republican. You're right. Dolan voted against Ohio's Stand Your Ground law and joined Governor Mike DeWine in calling for gun reforms after a mass shooting in Dayton. He opposed the fetal heartbeat abortion bill and legislation that would have required written consent for contact tracing during the pandemic. Uh, Matt Dolan, whose dad is part owner of the Cleveland Indians, if I had to put that in baseball parlance, Matt, voting against Ohio's stand-your-ground law, joining DeWine and calling for gun reforms, opposing the fetal heartbeat bill, and opposing legislation that would require written consent for contact tracing— Uh, That's what we call in the baseball realm going 0 for 4. 0 for 4 in the Republican baseball game of policy positions. So Matt Dolan's in the race. He says, people tell him, hey, you ought to get in the race. I don't know. I welcome Matt Dolan on the show. Um, My guess is he's heard what he wants to hear. He's going to spend a lot of his dad's money that could be better spent on... I don't know, a power-hitting third or first baseman because he's not going to win the Republican primary. Well, I wish I had different details for you. I think all of us knew or dreaded this was coming. Yesterday, authorities found a body in Grand Teton National Park In Wyoming, it is strongly believed to be the body of uh, Gabby Petito, the young woman who was on a cross-country trip with her boyfriend in a converted van. Uh, Her boyfriend has now gone missing. Uh, This story you could see coming uh, miles and miles away. He returned to Florida without her, didn't report her missing to her parents. He was in Florida for 10 days. Um, When you saw the body cam video of Gabby Petito talking to sheriff's deputies out there, and she was distraught and blamed herself for bothering her boyfriend while he was trying to drive, you just, at least I, had a very sinking feeling that this is uh, an abused young woman that at that time was probably already dead um, by the time we saw the video, I mean. Because you don't make excuses for being too preoccupied with neatness and cleanliness as if you're at fault for bothering someone else while they're trying to drive. Um, I don't know how these pieces of this puzzle are going to stack up whether he was jealous of her leaving him or whether he was manipulative and possessive and jealous. It's not not a new story, new as if you've never heard it before. It's just tragic. And uh, I don't want to play the morality card too strongly here, but the first thought that I had was, what are you doing going on a cross-country trip with a guy you're not married to? What are you doing? Um, And where are your parents in that? Um, It's not certainly to indicate that she had in any way, shape, or form deserved this kind of treatment, but it's just heartbreaking to see this beautiful young girl, um, her life taken from her uh, by someone who murdered her, and I think we'll all be surprised if it is not her boyfriend. Uh, I am surprised that I see the Biden administration acting in a way other than I anticipated on the border with all these thousands and thousands and thousands of Haitian immigrants congregating under the International Bridge near Del Rio, Texas. Now, Del Rio, Texas is a town of 35,000 people. They think there are half as many migrants under this bridge. This is a story last week that gained notoriety when Bill Malusian of Fox was showing video, including drone video, from above where you can get a view of just how incredibly vast this gathering of migrants is at the border. And when I heard they're Haitian immigrants, I'm like, how do Haitian immigrants get to the Texas border? Like, that's not an easy commute. So I did some research into it, and what it appears is that the situation in Haiti, which has been dire for more than a decade, um, probably predating, but certainly dating back to the first devastating earthquake in Haiti in 2010, uh, people have done anything they could to get off that island it is racked by poverty it is racked by crime and disease and lack of medical care i had the opportunity yesterday the privilege actually yesterday to sit down with a young man a remarkable young man who is a doctor in haiti he has started a foundation for 355 kids to get their education, which he was blessed to receive, picked out of a crowd of 20-some people uh, as a seven-year-old by a missionary from World Vision. They put him in school. It's an amazing story, and in the next few weeks, I'll have a video link to that story as I was part of an effort to tape it and document it last night so people could benefit, and of course, so that they can support His foundation and the medical work that he does but i'm glad that happened to me yesterday because it gave me a different perspective on people who are masked under this bridge it's very easy for us as american citizens to feel threatened by people who come to the border and uh, try to illegally enter the united states of america it's very easy to feel threatened by that you can feel threatened economically you can feel threatened criminally you can feel threatened in many many ways but I have to discipline myself to keep in mind that there are significant numbers of these people who come here because we offer them the last opportunity, well, maybe not the last, but, but the best opportunity to capture the kind of life they ideally would like to live, which is interesting that they view America that way because the people who want to let them in do not view America that way, right? Right? I mean, like the Biden administration, they would tell you we are a country racked by racism, misogyny, every kind of phobia you can have, transphobia, homophobia, whatever. But if we're that, then we're not an improvement over the places that these people have come from, whether it's Haiti, Guatemala, Honduras, Mexico, whatever. Every place, the viewpoint would be, well, every place has problems. America's problems are, on the whole, not any smaller than anywhere else. But you know that to be a lie. While freedom is under fire here and under attack here, it is the only place where it truly exists, or at least where it's uh, placed in our founding documents that it should exist. So I'm inclined to look a bit differently on these people massed at the border trying to get in. I thought originally, like, why? Is George Soros funding them to get here? Are they flying them somewhere in South America and they're walking across the border? Well, that is how they come. They come through Panama or Bolivia or someplace. They get to South America, and then they make an arduous trek all the way up through South America into Mexico. You can only imagine how they're taken advantage of by the drug cartels and the criminals and all that. But that shows the hunger that they have to get here which I wish would make the impression on the people who think we're a horrible, terrible, awful country that it makes on me. It shows me that the things that we prize about our country are real, are legitimate, and offer hopeless people hope.